go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. One of the few omissions and one of the few overall problems that is even bigger than the Jaguars not being in the playoffs is Ario Speedwagon not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who once coined, and I do quote, I make you laugh and you make me cry. And that is exactly what is going on today right here in Duval, the great time for me to fly by REO Speedwagon. Don't know what else to do outside of that. A colossal collapse. Unforgivable collapse. Unthinkable collapse. After beginning eight and three. All there right in front of you. Plans being made, getting together with friends and family. All those in-laws now certainly probably defined as outlaws. Anything worse than when you're losing and you're depressed and you're upset and you got to hear from someone you don't want to hear from? Probably not. Do yourself a favor. If you are a diehard Jaguar fan, you probably want to step away just for a little bit, okay, and, and try to regain some sort of composure. Don't listen to the Doug Peterson press conference that happened earlier today. That, that'll just boil your blood that much more. Um, really feel for those who did tune in for that. First of all, he was more than 30 minutes late, which is an ongoing problem um, in my world. And it's something that will not be talked about and it won't be discussed. And I'm sure, you know, they'll say, oh, he had an ongoing long meeting with one of the outgoing players. It's Bush League. It's poor. And it represents a bad organization. When you consistently show up 30 minutes late, not respecting others who have jobs to do, it's Bush. And Tom Coughlin would never do that. Whether Tom Coughlin won or lost, Tom Coughlin would be there on time. You don't play another football game for nine damn months. Don't tell me you're going to be 30 minutes late for a freaking press conference. And I didn't even go to it today. I had an issue. I had to pull over and watch it on the phone. So this isn't about me, but this is about Others who may have to pick up kids. No one planned on a 3 o'clock press conference today because everyone planned on this team winning. So that's what you get. But it starts at the top. Any good business starts at the top, right? And when you do things like that, it's bad. It's bad for business. Then you go on, you listen to it, it's as if, hey, we're all right. We're fine here. We'll fix this. We'll fix that. We'll get them stronger. Can't make excuses, he says. Cannot make them. Then he goes into a long spiel about how, well, we had no consistency on that offensive line. They were injured. So he immediately, I guess Doug has a great future as a sports talk show host because we're all hypocrites in this field. He said it himself. Can't make excuses. Then he comes out and says we had no continuity. We had no chemistry. We had, um, you know, no, no camaraderie on our offensive line. So, you know, really speaking out of both sides of his mouth a little bit earlier today, it is disappointing. And 
you know, I, I, I hate this because I like Doug Peterson. I do. This is not fire him. This is not get rid of him. But it's time to wake up, right? You, you spend an extra half hour today. Think before you speak. And, and come out with something a little bit better than what you came out with today. Because, again, the message is delivered to whom? Jaguar fans. Jaguar fans right now that are grieving. Jaguar fans right now that are absolutely, totally pissed off. And you sent the wrong message. You you really did today, especially with the offensive line. I mean, telling us that Luke Fortner was okay? Luke Fortner's not okay. Luke Fortner's the worst center in the National Football League. Luke Fortner should never take another snap in the history of his career in Duval. Period. And I know ego's involved because it was a Trent Bulky third-round pick. Trent Bulky should be fired. He will not get fired. He won't. He's going to stay on as the general manager. That is a problem. That is an ongoing problem. Okay? He misses with his draft picks. And he kept 21 of the 22 starters on this roster from a year ago. I guess we can go 20 out of 22 if you consider the, the good move he made by adding Calvin Ridley and obviously saying goodbye to Marvin Jones. The only other move he made was another really good one, saying goodbye to Juwan Taylor, who wanted $20 million a year, and going out and getting Anton Harrison. So that's 20 of 22 starters. This football team sat on everything. This football team said goodbye to Jim Bob Cooter, brought in Nick Holes, right? They said goodbye to Chris Jackson, who lied, told us all that, Oh, I ain't going anywhere. All I care about right now is the, you know, the Jaguar wide receivers. And then three days later, for crying out loud, he left and took the job at Texas. So at least they got rid of a liar and replaced him uh, with Chad Hall. But you replaced two starters and two coaches on a team that went 9-8 and eight, and on a team that the thinking was, we're close. We're close. I bought into it. I'm not going to mention anyone else around here and and their opinion. It's theirs. But I just have a sneaky little feeling a lot of my colleagues bought into it. We force-fed it to you who bought into it. I mean, you were convinced, right? You were a Christian Kirk drop pass and a Jamal Agnew fumble inside the five-yard line from going to the AFC championship game. Am I wrong? I tell you all the time. I tell you every show. I do not bet. If I did, I would put it all on this football team this year to win the AFC South. The fact that they did not win it is absolutely, totally comical to me. There are so many issues that this football team is going to have to look at right now as we head towards the offseason. You still have a real solid nucleus. You do. But a massively concerned about the future, and it begins at the top. I don't care what it is that you do. Successful businesses begin at the top. I still do not know. I say this yearly. I don't know who Shad Khan's football people are. I don't think anyone knows. I mean, who are his football people? We thought it might have been Bill Polian years ago when he brought back Tom Coughlin. I've heard the name Tony Dungy before. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Shad Khan is not connected 
with the local media. He's not connected with the fan base. Um, I think it's fair to say, yeah, Shad Khan's upset today. Is he really bothered, though? He's not bothered like you, the listener. He's got hundreds of companies that he runs. If Shad Khan was clearly bothered, someone would have gotten fired today, like they did in Washington, D.C., like they did in Atlanta, okay? And I'm not saying fire Doug Peterson here. I'm not saying that. I'm saying something would have happened. But no, uh, right now you're just going to, you know what they're going to do? Let the fire burn down. Let the, or let the fire simmer, if you will. Allow things to move on. You know, it's kind of like the Florida State snub of a few weeks ago. Just let things simmer. Sooner or later, it'll go away. And, and I think that's what the feeling is right now, beginning with Shad Khan all the way down. Just get away from it, and then everything will be okay. How important is winning to Shad Khan? Okay? And if there is a silver lining to this, 9-8 and eight in consecutive winning seasons probably does put him in a situation where he can look at his life as the owner of this organization and say, we're better. We've had back-to-back 9-8 and eight seasons. Look at what happened when I took over. Look at consecutive years having the top overall draft pick. Now this team's going to draft 17. So if there's one good way to look at this team not actually making it to the playoffs, that would have been then defined as success. If they had gone back in and hosted a game this weekend, it would have been considered a success. Win or lose against Cleveland. If you have success, nothing's going to happen. Kind of what I just mentioned as to what did take place with the 2022 team. Now it becomes a failure, but is it in the owner's mind? Did the owner make more money this year? Was advertising up? Were ticket sales up? I kind of look at Shad Khan and the way he runs the Jacksonville Jaguars, the way a PGA Tour player is, if I can get top 10 money in a tournament. If I can come in here to the players and get top 15, top 10 money, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to make several hundred thousand dollars. It's not about winning it. It's about being successful. Are the Jaguars worth more today than they were a year ago? Yes. They had a winning season. Shad Khan's worth more today than he was before the start of the year. They had a winning season. So I don't think Shad Khan had a sleepless night. I don't think he flips over buffet tables and, and demands firings. I don't think he's Bob Kraft. I don't think he's Jerry Jones. I don't think he's the Looney Tune owner of the Indianapolis Colts who was in there a couple of years ago when the Colts absolutely had to win in Jim Irsay, and he went crazy when they lost. I don't think you're going to hear a peep from your leader. You know when you're going to hear from your leader? Pony up money for the new stadium. Good luck with that process. I mean, you talk about setting back a franchise a year. How in the hell are you going to ask the people for money now? Good luck, Mark Lamping. Good luck, Jaguars. Your team let you down, and they're soft. I don't know if it's strength and conditioning. I don't know if it's the wear and tear of a season. They're not a macho team. They're not a strong team. They can't run and they can't stop the run. 
And that was evident again yesterday against a team in which they were absolutely superior over. Should have won that football game. So you want answers. I don't have them for you. I don't. Shad Khan is not going to force anyone's hand here. Shad Khan made more money. Shad Khan, I believe, is happy because this organization is now a winning organization in consecutive seasons. So don't expect Trent Bulky to go. And, and remember, this whole Mickey Mouse situation I'm talking about, just look what happened two years ago. They brought in Peterson and Jim Caldwell. They let five freaking weeks go by until they settled on Doug Peterson. What does that tell you? He's not a bulky guy. Doug Peterson's not a bulky guy. He wanted Eberflus. He wanted Byron Le- He wanted someone else. So are you going to fire Trent Bulky and then two years in, what, promote Ethan Waugh? Isn't that what Shahad did when he promoted Bulky, who Dave Caldwell brought in? You don't bring in a new general manager when you have a coach who's already been there for two years. That coach automatically becomes a lame duck coach. Everyone who takes over in power wants their own people. That's the way life is. So you can't fire Bulky. This becomes an in-and-out plan, probably after year three. I feel confident that if they fail next year, they're both gone at the end of 2024. That's not satisfying enough for you as a Jaguar fan. But I don't know what to tell you. These are the facts. Peterson was never a bulky guy. And ego's involved. You think they're just going to move away from Luke Fortner when Trent Bulky's going to look at him and say, I invested a third-round pick on him. Get him stronger. You think he's just going to move along from Chad Muma when he used a third-round pick? I mean, today Peterson's defending Brenton Strange. <laughs> you used the second. You got the softest offensive line in the NFL. And you're defending. Did you see the sneak, what Brenton Strange does on the sneak? And why in the hell is Sheriff pulling? I'll tell you why. Trevor called the, uh, the change at the line of scrimmage. It should have been a run to the right with Tank Bigsby. That's a whole other issue, which I'm going to get into today. I still believe Trevor Lawrence is the man for this franchise. But he has had awful in-game awareness, situational football. He's not good. He's not. I mean, getting injured against Tampa, trying to make a play. It was 30-0. It's stupid to think that he was out there playing to begin with. That's back on Peterson. But he tried to make a play, even though he'd already had four injuries that year. And he got knocked out with the shoulder joint issue. Okay? Um... Was it Baltimore right before half? When he threw that ball to Parker Washington who couldn't get out of bounds? That's bad situational football. That's not knowing that you don't have any timeouts and knowing that he's a rookie and there's a good chance he could make a mistake. Changing the play at the goal line yesterday? Those last two, that last possession, those last two plays? Third and two, trying to hit Tim Jones. I mean, Evan Evan Ingram's wide open. On fourth down, he misses Evan Ingram by two-plus feet. 
when apparently there are others that are open. I haven't seen the All-22 yet. I, I, I frankly don't want to look at it. But he's got to become better. And I, I, I think we learned something last week. Trevor tries to make plays. Trevor tries to do things that aren't going to work because he tries to make plays. Where with C.J. Beathard, he takes what the team gives you. He takes what the defense gives you. Would Beathard have scored in either one of those drives? I don't know. Would Beathard have been able to get the ball to Calvin Ridley for the touchdown or for the miscommunication? Which could have changed the entire game. I don't know who to blame there. Did Ridley run the right route? Ridley got his hand on it. Should he have caught it? Should Trevor have threaded the needle? Those are all fair questions. They're not going to fire Trent Baalke. And he has not gotten the job done. This year's draft class was a total joke. Not named Antonio Harrison. All right, a little bit later on, Parker Washington came out. Antonio Johnson, fine. I mean, you missed the playoffs because you couldn't score late in the fourth quarter. You missed the playoffs after beginning eight and three, and you're going to try to tell us that the combination of Ventrell Miller and Tyler Lacey and um, Brenton Strange and Tank Bigsby and players like that are, are good enough. Abdullah, the fifth-round pick? No. No. It's not. It was a big-time mess. Uh, but that is where you're at. And for Jag fans... I'm going to spend all offseason discussing this. The biggest problem that this organization has, and it's one that I have been saying for years, you have the worst offensive line in the NFL. It is absolutely terrible. And you don't pass protect for Trevor Lawrence, and you can't run the football. And there's no toughness with this offensive line. So you got to say goodbye to Cam. And, oh, well, Cam's tough. Cam get. He's the eighth highest paid left tackle. He gets injured every year. He allowed more sacks than Walker Little. Time to move on. Brandon Sheriff is old. His game has always been, you know, based on finesse. He's not a good football player anymore. Luke Fortner should never take another snap in this town. And listening to Doug Peterson earlier today on Luke Fortner, was, was honestly, it was petrifying. Not scary, petrifying. It was almost as if, hey, before you go in there, remember, Fortin is a third rounder. He's not going anywhere. I'm getting with Cedric Scott. We're going to make him stronger during the off. Okay. I mean, did you see what happened to him on that quarterback sneak? And if, if Trevor's going to call a quarterback sneak, why is your center and your right guard pulling to the right? There's never been such thing as a quarterback sneak where you just don't double up on the tackle and try to drive him straight into the end zone. So, not knowing, my guess is complete, total lack of communication. Trevor called the play, but they didn't know it. His center didn't know it. His right guard didn't know it. The season on the brink. 
on a quarterback sneak, and, and, and the two guys in front of you didn't know it. What's the explanation there? I tell you what the explanation is, Blue. It's called leave it alone and get away. We'll handle it from here. Feel awful for you. I do. I don't feel bad for the players. I don't feel bad for the coaches. I feel bad for the fans. You guys wore it on your sleeve this year. You took a lot of crap from the national media. You defend this city. You defend this football team. And they let you down. And and don't think for one moment that they care. They don't. They're on their way to Jamaica. They're on their way to the Dominican Republic. They're on their way to it. They don't care about you. Half of them are going to be gone at the end of the year. So it's time not to take it so personally. It's about the label. It's about the Jaguars. It's not about the name on the back of the jersey. Because they don't care about you. <clears throat> Just amazing to me. All right, opening comments brought to you by Dr. Neil Schmunez and Schmunez Vision. <sighs> Maybe having bad eyes is good watching this team the way they played in the last six weeks. Uh, outside of that, I want you to fix your eyes. I want them to become that much better. Okay, I want you to have 2020 for the rest of your days. It's as simple as visiting Schmunez Vision. They're a family organization and you know, let's face it, this can be a racket as well. They'll bring you in and out with eye examinations and keep it similar to, like, going through a car wash, right? It's amazing. Everything's different for you as a human being with your DNA. You may have blurriness in your eyes. You may have spottingness in your eyes, red spots. Maybe it's an issue with a cataract. You're afraid that you may need cataract surgery. Hey, that could be the case. It could also be a very simple remedy that could end up getting fixed uh, without surgery. There's so much that they offer there. The best advice I can give you, just go to schmunezvision.com and set up an appointment today. It'll take you through absolutely everything that they are about. Located out at the beach, that is Schmunez Vision. Care you can see. All right, we got an awful lot to do over the next couple of hours. We're going to hear from Doug Peterson. We're going to try to solve some of the problems here today and then talk about moving forward. I just want to warn you, okay? I certainly always love your opinion. That's 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. But be realistic. I think you should be aware of that. Be realistic. If you think this guy's gone and that guy's gone and that guy's gone and that guy, be realistic. You're upset. A lot of people over there are content. They had a winning year at 9-8. and And for this football franchise, that's good enough. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, that sun is going to come up, maybe not for a few days. And you kind of needed a day like today, right? I mean, no sun and rainy. That It fits perfectly. And uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's par for the course, if you will. I want to play one bit today uh, from Doug Peterson at his press conference, which... 
and this is, you know, this is hard. I, I really like Doug Peterson. I don't know him well, but I like him. And it doesn't matter if I like someone or I don't like someone. You're either doing a good job or you're not doing a good job. I still think more of this falls on Trent Bulky than it does on Doug Peterson. And, you know, if I were to open up the mind, maybe the best case scenario would be for them to really be apart, to be completely different. And I have zero indication that that is the key. None. Uh, but there's a lot of things that make me wonder. Like, you go back to that Tampa game, you know, why they kept ETN in, why they kept Lawrence in, and Lawrence got injured. There's no way you win that game. Why are they in there? Yet the other side took out Cisco and Campbell. You know, Mike Carwell on his side did the right thing. I, I would think that that would have been a perfect opportunity to get Tank Bigsby some at-bats. Tank seemed to get better late. Not giving up on him at all, but it, you know, it does make you wonder when you lose and you lose and you lose and you lose, why are you not giving your third rounder at-bats when you're down 36? You know, is that a possibility of a power struggle, maybe a total reach by me. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just thinking out loud, right? Because Trent Bulky shouldn't be the general manager of this team, but he's going to stay on. And I don't know why, but he's going to stay on. And Trent Bulky's a hell of a salesman, right? No matter where you are, no matter where I've been, in 32 years of this, there's been people I've worked with who are not nearly as good, yet they know how to sell themselves to where they get better opportunities, better gigs. That's Trent Bulky. It's Tom Fullery. It's inside one-on-one with Shad Khan throwing others under the bus. I don't know what it is, but Shad Khan has been totally convinced by Trent Bulky that he is the right man for this job. And it's bad business. Again, he didn't want Doug Peterson. Took him five weeks to get him. I mean, what were there, eight or nine coaching changes that year? The Jags were first because of the Urban Meyer debacle. And I want to say they were either last or second to last to finally announce who their new head coach was. What the hell were they doing for five weeks? If I remember correctly, I don't even think they had their entire team at the NFL scouting combine that year because they hadn't decided on a coach. I mean, it's unforgivable. But Bulky's got that. And my guess is that you just don't move away from Bulky and because then you bring in a new GM who's automatically going to want a new coach. All right, then if not, is there a rock star in the building right now? And you turn around to Ethan Wan and say, okay, you take over. Peterson's your guy. Good luck. Well, that's the same mistake they made. Caldwell to bulky. So it becomes repetitive. Doug Peterson today asked about his message to the football team. Everything is connected, right? Everything is connected. Go back to week one, week two. We play the Chiefs in week two, and, and I mentioned to the team how this could have playoff implications. Even in week two, 
And then week three, you play the Texans. This could have playoff implications, right, for the AFC South. And then you, you show up here today, and it's like, oh, okay, that's what he's talking. Well, we can't get to that point. It's It's got to be that sense of urgency where everything matters. And, and this is all part of teaching the team how to win and preparing to win and, and um, you know, focusing in on preparation and doing all those little things that, that as coaches we talk a lot to our players about. And, and we can't just push it aside and say, oh, hey, we got 12 more games or 15 more games or we're st- we still got a three-game lead in the division and it's okay. It's, it's really not, you know. Um, because you can't you can't let things slide, you can't let, let things slip, and and um, you know that that sense of urgency is is important to to the success we have, especially down the stretch here when you know when everything began to matter. Sense of urgency, wow! With the playoffs on the line, that's troublesome. I mean, you, there's a lot of different people you can point at here, and coaching is a large. A large part of that leadership, the lack thereof, is a large part of this. He went back and mentioned Kansas City and Houston. I remember losing my mind in week three. That was cowardly. We need to get out of here. I mean, it's, it was laughable. You lost two straight home games. We need to get out of here. The media is so rough and tough on us. The fans around here are just brutal. We're better off in London. We're better off going on the road and trying to win football. We can't play. I mean, you fans are just, what? I mean, in the dog days of June or July in Major League Baseball, if you've you got a 12-game home, you know, home stand, you lose 8 or 9 out of the 12, and you're playing bad baseball, yeah, you, you want to get out of there and get on the road. <laughs> Not in week two. Not in week three of the NFL when you lose your first two home games and then, oh, we got to get out of here. He was cowardly. I mean, you're making it seem like this is Philadelphia or, or, or this is Dallas or New York. It's Jacksonville. You people are their heroes. You're all they got. They don't have hockey. They don't have basketball. They don't have baseball. They got the Jaguars. We need to get out of here? In week two? In week three? Yeah, that talk radio is vicious, man. The columnists in town, all those whoever they are on computers, I mean, they're just crushing us. We need to get out of here. Maybe that was the message right there. That or, and they responded. They won. They won five straight in five different buildings. But that's bad leadership. If you sold that to the media, can you imagine how it So what does that do when you come back? They had a losing season here at home. You shouldn't be a playoff team if you're losing at home. You know, give me any of that London crap. You want to know what London's like? Look outside. It's cold and rainy. No one wants There's one person who wants to go to London. One. And I'll let you figure that out. Let's bring in the incomparable J.J. LaSalva. How are you, young man? I'm good. Yeah. Good weekend? Uh, Yeah. Uneventful, I guess. Not much happened. <sighs> Anything you want to add? 
Anything that I missed? Any any thoughts that you have that are different from what I said with this football team? Uh, no. I, I, I don't care what Doug says in a press conference after the season like that. They're never going to say anything about signing certain positions or firing certain coaches. Like, that just doesn't happen. So I wasn't expecting it today. He's not about to say, like, hey, Fortner was terrible. We're going to get rid of him this year. Like, he's under contract. He's not going to say that about any player under contract. That's just not how it works. So I I don't take anything he says as, like, oh, wow, he's content or he's not content because I just think – He's BSing. I think he's just lying. He's just going up to talk to the media because that's what he has to do. He knows that he can't just be throwing players under the bus. He's not even the GM. He doesn't make these decisions anyways. So I wasn't expecting much today. 5105, uh, believe the Jaguars are the Bill Buckner of the NFL. No, they're not. Bill Buckler, Bill Buckner was nearly a Hall of Famer. Look at his numbers. Bill Buckner had an outstanding career. He will always be remembered by the era. But they don't get there without him. He was really, really good. The Jaguars are a losing franchise. Okay, they're the third losingest franchise in the history of the NFL by a smidge over Houston and a little bit over Tampa. Um, you know, the, the, those are facts. And that's what really hurts because they're a losing franchise. And what people are going to say right now is, yeah, we're a losing franchise, but we've had back-to-back nine and eight seasons. And we're on the come. Can, can you imagine if they, if they had scored that touchdown, completed a two-point conversion, Won the game in overtime. You had a playoff game this weekend here against Cleveland. And you were to lose that game. The talking point that would have been delivered, this is another successful season. Back-to-back playoffs. And you can't argue with that point to that extent. Right? I mean, back-to-back. So no one... I got to believe, would have had their job on the line. Something has to change. You cannot stay as is. And what are you going to do? Jim Bob Cooter left for a better job last year. They brought in Nick Coles. Chris Jackson, the wide receiver coach, left for a better job last year. They brought in Chad Hall. That's it. I'm asking you, Jaguar fan, do you honestly think they're going to make household changes on this coaching staff? Do you honestly think Press Taylor becomes the fall guy? He goes out and he gets Frank Reich. Do you honestly believe that Dave Caldwell is going to be the fall guy? The Jaguars in their attempt, I mean, simple, simple things like the ability to tackle was just awful yesterday. Now, the other side is going to be, well, hey, Look at Allen. Look at Walker. Combination of those pass rush defensive ends. They led the NFL in sacks. And I respect that. I accept that. That, 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 is, that is fair. There is some positives there. Uh, go get Wink Martindale. 
Go get a proven defense. Do you really think this organization is going to do it? We know they're not going to do anything with Trent Baalke. And if so, I'll be absolutely, totally, positively shocked. They're not going to do anything with him. So what are they going to do? Are you going to say to everyone, we're good enough. Our coaches are good enough. It's the players who need to get better. The coaches are not good enough. Okay? There was miscommunication all over the place this year. The organization that you love told you as a fan base that you're making too much damn noise on defense. I mean, think about that for one minute. Because young defensive backs didn't know what was going on. I mean, think about that for a moment. From the time you've been alive, you hear about rabid fans and noise on defense. This, this organization said that you're making too much noise on defense? At home? You can't make, seriously, you can't make stuff like that up. You just can't. So it was a bad year. Offensive scheme was bad. Really bad. No separation by wide receivers. Wrong routes by wide receivers. No pass protection by an offensive line. Absolutely zero run blocking by an offensive line. Phil Rauscher is supposed to be a superstar. Right? Is he the right guy for the gig? The offensive line took a massive step back. Oh, they were injured. Ah, okay. Hey, for those of you listening, Jacksonville was the only team in football this year that was injured. Look at the team that was supposed to come in. Cleveland, far more injuries than your Jaguars. Far more. And Peterson's like, we can't use that as an excuse. Yet, he was pretty elaborate on it. With the offensive line. Jacksonville, 198 and 269 in franchise history. It's a losing franchise. It's a losing franchise that all of a sudden now has gone 9 and 8 and 9 and 8. Okay? Let me read it back to you. Let, let me tell you why this is almost wasted air. Because this is what Shad Khan believes, and, and this is what Trent Bulky's feeding him. Okay? Nine and eight this year, nine and eight last year. Let me take you back in the time. Three and 14 in 2021, one and 15 in 2020, six and 10 in 2019, five and 11 in 2018. The great 2017 season ended up 10 and six. 2016, three and 13. 2015, five and 11. 2014, three and 13. 2013, 4 and 12. 2012, 2 and 14. It's a losing franchise. I mean, you would have to go 12 and 5 for the next 10 years to get the 500 with a 198 and 269 record. It's a losing franchise. Hey, Baloo, they're a winning franchise. They have consecutive 9 and 8s. That's what they're selling. And that's why you're not going to have any changes. I thought the only thing that Peterson did today that caught my attention a little bit 
He put it on Trevor. And it's gotten to that point now. This will be year four of his rookie contract. It has to go on Trevor. You can't put it on Travis. I mean, you could bring back Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Fred Taylor, O.J. Simpson. No one's going to run behind that offensive line. You can't put it on him. It gets put on Trevor, whose in-game decision-making was very poor this year. And I'll give it to him. He's a tough guy. He's beaten up. Some of that is on his own. His stupidity in Tampa to try to make a play. He shouldn't have been in the game. It's 36. That's stupid. Stupid by the coaching and stupid by him as the player. But you look at everything else, my guess is that Trevor his entire life dominated the competition, dominated the whole way up. You know, Clemson would play one or two tough games a year. And all of a sudden, he's in a league where, uh uh-uh, it's every week. And you just can't go out and make plays. They're going to be on to you in this league. So he's far from perfect. I thought going into this year, the combination of of Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence was a top 10 head coach quarterback combination. There's no way I can say that right now. They both entered the year on the hot seat. And put Doug Peterson's right now A number one on the hot seat. Year three of his deal. I don't think there's any hurry right now to all of a sudden announce that there's going to be a contract extension and you're going to pay record-setting money to Trevor Lawrence once the free agency year begins in mid-March. You think that's going to happen based on what we just saw? No. You let him play year four. Pay him his what, $14 million? Before I hit to the break, let me th- I got it right here for you. Trevor Lawrence will play 2024 for $11,700,000. You could pick up his fifth-year option, which would pay him $21 million. I hope they do that. Don't put a franchise tag on him in year five. That would be $35 million. Yeah. Based on what I saw right now, there's no way Trevor Lawrence can look at you and say, I'm not showing up for camp until I get a new deal. He hasn't earned a new deal. He'll play for the 11.7. It's going to end up costing you more down the road. You're going to learn from the Josh Allen mistake. Now they should have given Josh Allen the money, but you didn't know it. You need another show-me year. Now you're going to have to pay Josh, and he's going he's gonna to collect. I've been saying all along, get the Trevor deal done in March of 2024. You can't do that now based on what he did. You don't know. You don't know if he is going to be a franchise quarterback. And you got two years where you don't have to make that decision. You can make a play year four on this deal and you pick up the fifth year option on him. So you don't have to do anything for two years. And I also wouldn't let Trent Baalke make that decision if I think next year could be his last. It's not going to happen right now, folks. But I think it happens as a package in a year if this team doesn't improve significantly. I think you clean house top to bottom, and that includes Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson. But it's not going to happen right now. 
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, there are some reports coming out now that Mike Caldwell is going to be shown the door as the defensive coordinator. Uh, Greg Alman is his name. Uh, he's based in Tampa. So I just mentioned Wink Martindale. Um, Ron Rivera lost his job today. I, uh, I, you know, I, I hope that this is the case. I do. Now, I haven't seen anyone yet around here um, add to this story. But this needs to happen. And frankly, it needs to happen on the other side as well you know, with Press Taylor. I think if you replace both coordinators, it does a number of things. First of all, you become a better football team by bringing in better coaches. And remember, Doug Peterson brought in a first-time defensive coordinator and a first-time offensive coordinator and a first-time special teams coordinator in what was a complete total rebuild. It still was somewhat alarming that he didn't bring in anyone with any experience. And frankly, the only one on the staff who had a tremendous amount of experience, because if you looked at his offensive line coach, his wide receiver coach, Bernie Parmalee had a little bit of of work there. Uh, Buckner a little bit. Um, uh, trying to think now, uh, Deshae Townsend, a few years. But for the most part, it was a very young staff. Phil Rauscher had one year as an offensive line coach. It, it was a young staff. Um, and, and Mike Caldwell was so green early on. Remember, I remember asking about who would wear the green dot, and he didn't even answer the question. He didn't want to answer the question. So I think it was growing pains uh, for Mike Caldwell. But whether or not you think he's a good coach or you don't think he's a good coach, this is the point. Changes have to be made. There has to be an unsettling feeling within this organization that you just can't stay as is after a nine and eight year. And if Mike Caldwell is gone, I got to believe a lot of positional coaches are going to be gone as well. Because They're whoever, all gone. Yeah. So whoever, Rappaport said uh, – or excuse me, right? Yeah, Rappaport said his entire staff makes total sense, and I haven't seen that, but that was exactly where I was going. You you have to bring in whoever the defensive coordinator is. You have to allow him to bring in his staff, and so they're all gone. I like Deshae Townsend. He's the one that I I think will be missed the most. Uh, he had a lot to do when two years ago this organization only had nine takeaways. They went to 27 uh, a year ago. I'd like to see the same thing happen offensively. Is that asking too much to have both the offensive and defensive coordinator fired? Um, I, I don't know. you just get rid of Doug, too, at that point? Like, you're going to get rid of both coordinators, all staff, and just keep him? Why? I think they feel he's a good head coach. I do. It's interesting, though, that he said a few hours ago, I need a few days to consider it, and then apparently it only took him a couple of hours. I'm not saying that's not out of the, you know, I'm not saying that's not out of the norm, but has something happened 
since that press conference. Was this, I'd like to think that this was in the making all day. Again, it took him 30 minutes. He was 30 minutes late for the press conference. So did something come up right before it or did this happen after? Because, and maybe it was just lip service. Maybe he was just telling people what he thought they wanted to hear. You know, give me a few days and I'll make some decisions. But it didn't take a few days. It took a couple of hours. Well, what if it wasn't his decision? Well, that's it, too. What if he met with Shad Khan? What if, what if Trent Baalke said, hey, I just got off the phone with Shad? You know, I'm under the impression that Trent Baalke does not have a say, or has a say, but is not the decision maker on coordinators and positional coaches. My belief would be that's Doug Peterson. But I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, that, that's just my belief. So what if Shad got to him and said, no, we need to change coordinators here? Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a huge possibility. So what does Jacksonville have to do now? Again, you have to identify, and this isn't talking about Shad Khan finding a head coach. This isn't talking about Shad Khan finding a general manager. This is now Doug Peterson and his people. All right, we need a defensive coordinator, and we need to put together the best defensive staff in the NFL. You have two teams playing college football tonight, and you have 14 teams that are still playing in the NFL. He could be looking at any one of those 16 teams, any one of those 16 defensive coordinators, or a position coach that he believes he can promote as a defensive coordinator. But I do hope that Doug gets on this as soon as possible. I, I don't want this to be like that five-week abomination that was him getting the job. You see, remember what that was like, how comical that ended up becoming? And yeah, it's different, a head coach to a defensive coordinator. But this is a good thing. This is a really good thing. This is what I yelled about for the first 40 minutes. You have to make changes. And they are making changes. I'd, I'd love to see it go the other way now and do the exact same thing with Press Taylor. My only concern with that is what if they're saying, hey, man, that pass should have been completed, Trevor, to, to Calvin Ridley. And if so, we're in. And Trevor changed the play at the line of scrimmage. Trevor went on that final possession with a minute to go. He made the mistake on third and two. Trevor made the mistake on fourth and two. If you look at the all 22 and go back and watch that play, guys were open. It was the wrong read. And again, I'm just thinking out loud. I have no idea. I know that, I do know that Doug Peterson thinks very highly of Press Taylor. But what about bringing in a guy like Frank Reich? Tremendous success with him in Philadelphia. The guy's now been a head coach at two stops. This year ended up being an Urban Meyer type of year for him in Carolina. But the reports out there were he didn't want Bryce Young. And it looks like Bryce Young right now is going to be a disaster. I got to believe the desire to want to come back, do real well, and become a head coach in a couple of years is probably what Frank Reich would like. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's next. Change both coordinators. All right, so we'll continue to get with this and get your input on it as well. Tell you, I'm getting tons here on the text line. Just a ton. I haven't really been able to respond to, to anyone. Just been too busy here tonight. 
But uh, we certainly would love to hear from you. 641-1010, that is the best way to get on in on the text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, the day is getting better as we slide into the night. Mike Caldwell and the defensive staff fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. It would be great to get out of here in less than an hour and have the exact same thing happen to the offensive staff. Change must take place. And Wink Martindale to Jacksonville. Ron Rivera to Jacksonville. I got one for you, JJ. Bill Belichick to run the Jaguars' defense right here in Duval. Only gave up 17 points yesterday. <laughs> that game was actually fun to watch. I had it on one of the other screens. I love a good snow game. Um, I would be, at this point, shocked if he doesn't already have, like, a house in L.A. Oh, sure. ready to go for the Chargers job. Absolutely. Well, it's probably either him or, or Hobart. Harbaugh, although Atlanta apparently has the say in both those jobs. It wasn't really the Black Monday that I expected. I was just thinking that. There was nobody, I guess, because yesterday Atlanta's coach got let go, and they already fired the Chargers coach a few weeks back. And was, has that been it? Carolina, Oakland. Oh, Carolina earlier, yeah. Josh Oakland. McDaniels. Brandon Staley should have been fired here a year ago after blowing a 27 nothing lead. But, yeah, I – you know, I, I guess there's still possibly a couple that could happen. You know, it's usually a surprise or two. Like Chicago or one of the New York teams. But it's been, you know, five is, is down in numbers. It's usually seven to nine. 4838 Blue, uh, I love you chair warmers always say fire the coaches, but never complain that the overrated crybaby players should be fired from their positions for being garbage players. Coaches tell players what to do. Players are responsible for doing it. So the coaches are held accountable. Then the players should be too. Trevor is subpar who never played with any competition in college and is not the white knight savior for this franchise. 4384 obviously has a massive problem when it comes to listening. Okay. And then I stand, I, I began the show by saying Luke Fortner should never take another snap in this town. I absolutely, a year ago, said, get Juwan Taylor out of here. He's way too much. I will say it again. Get Cam Robinson out of here. It's way too much. I've said it about tons of players. So, again, it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what you hear, right? But I'll just tell you right there. You are absolutely, totally, 100% wrong uh, with that particular take. 45-17, uh, Blue, you don't fix anything until you fix the offensive line. Yes. You need to say anything else. Tre- Trevor hurries, yada, yada, getting rid of the ball. He's not doing it intentionally. Yes. 45-17, yes. The Great Wall of Duval, I've been saying it forever. I'm already looking at these mock drafts, and I'm, I'm, I'm fuming. Oh, go get Keon Coleman. Oh, you know, go get a a defensive, you know, a pass rush edge. No. 
Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. What's the one thing we know for sure who will be starting on the offensive line in September in 2024? Anton Harrison at right tackle. Everything else is up for debate. In my opinion, Sheriff's gone. In my opinion, Fortner's gone. Probably keep him on the roster as a backup. Doesn't cost you anything. Third-year rookie contract. Got to make the team. Um, Ezra Cleveland? <laughs> I mean, did you see his performance yesterday? I, I'd be getting quite a few of those. What about Ezra Cleveland? He, he ranked yesterday as the lowest-ranked offensive player, according to Pro Football Focus. Ezra Cleveland gave you a 42.5 yesterday. And bear in mind, here's a guy playing for a future contract and playing to get into the playoffs. And he dropped a 42-5 on you. See ya. Well, he gone. I'm not bringing back Cam Robinson. I'm not paying him $21.5 million. I'm just not doing it. And you could tell me that he's angry and they need the angry. I'll turn around and I'll tell you the guy gets hurt every single year. He gets hurt every single year. He's top eight tackle money. Cam's got a cap figure of $21,638. No way. I'll eat the dead money. It's $3,888,000. You recoup a cap savings of $17,750,000. I'm not giving Cam Robinson $22 million to play left tackle. I'm not doing it. He's very average. And he's injured. What would you do at left tackle? I I would probably try to draft one, but still keep Cam around if possible. Like, I don't know what the specifics are with, like, the franchise tag and all that, how much that would be. No. But I don't know. He's still the best lineman on the team. Walker Little's going to be in year four. It's his final year. Um, Luke Fortner's going to be in year three. And, you know, I sit here and I say, don't play him, get rid of him. Doesn't mean that that's the case. They, they may, I mean, look at, Look at the endorsement today. Um, They have to be aware of this. You can't ignore it. But they may turn around and say the guy started every game. He's played every snap for two years. Get him stronger. We need to make so many other changes. Fortner's plugged back in year three, starting center. I mean, just don't automatically right now assume that he's gone. Just because the entire city wants him gone. Center center seems like an easier position to replace, though, than Cam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jack Del Rio for defense coordinator. Eleven ninety-seven. 47-51. Doug knows Fortner is a major problem, but he's costly enough not to toss him out of the bus. Same with Mike Caldwell and the soft D. He knows it's an issue. Hopefully the new defensive coordinator will appreciate noise from the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts on Anton to left tackle. Okay, but that, you know, I just said that's like the one, 
Again, this organization doesn't do things correctly. Got to play guys out of position. Okay. It's the Jag way. Yeah, you know that 22 out of the 23 stars that Anton Harrison had at Oklahoma was on the left side. So absolutely, you're going to draft them and immediately put them on the right side. I mean, that's just the way it goes, right? Although we've sat around here forever. You think Cam Robinson can move to the right? Oh, Cam? Cam? Cam's been playing left tackle since Pop Wana. Cam only played left tackle at Bama. He'll only play left tackle here. So, trying to ask me to figure this out, it's like, what? But I just said a moment ago, the only certainty that we know for the 2024 Jaguars in the offensive line is their right tackle, Anton Harrison. That's the only one we know. So I would say no. I don't don't think it's going to happen. Bulky needs a lemon to keep you, you know, <laughs> bulky. <laughs> Next time we talk to Bulky, oh, it's a need, it's a need value. We, we're always going to go with value. Over, yeah, you know what? It's, it's true, isn't it? It's true. The guy drafts linebackers. It's like they're going out of style. The guy drafts a tight end and the running back in the, in the second and the third round, yet you have the weakest players in the NFL in your ditch both offensive and defensive line. The defensive line yesterday was terrible. I mean, I haven't even gotten into that. They stunk. You got to get rid of them, too. Big Foley, see ya. Devon Hamilton, you're locked in. RRH, mm. You know, Adam Gotsis and Spurts, but you just look what happened. They couldn't stop the run yesterday. I mean, 175 yards on the ground. What the heck did I do with the uh, pro football? Usually the desk only gets cluttered like this when the Jags win. Look at these numbers. And again, take pro football focus for what it is. Five, five lowest ranked defensive players yesterday. Foyer Oluwakon had a 27.8. This is by far. The worst game in his career. And he's not the problem. He just had a bad day. You bring him back next year, obviously. Uh, the next four guys, you can make them, in my opinion, they could all be gone. Big Foley, 35.6. That's not a run stuffer. Rayshon Jenkins at 39. Adam Gotts, sorry, a snap count guy, a roll guy, 45-4. And Devon Hamilton at 51. Hamilton, of course, just signed that big extension. It's going to be tough to move on for him. It is. But I think Big Foley's out of here. I think Roy Robertson Harris, uh, Roy Robertson Harris is out of here. Caleb on Chason is out of here. Shaq Quarterman is out of here. Rayshon Jenkins is out of here. Trey Herndon is out of here. Mm, that's probably all that I want to say on the defensive side without having a, uh, you know, an accurate list in front of me. But I got to believe that that's probably where this football team is. You know, highest cap hits for the 2024 season, and this all begins in March, Christian Kirk, 24384000 I think we learned this year that he is incredibly valuable. Are they going to restructure that deal? What are they going to do? We'll see. Next up, Brandon Sheriff, $23,967,000 for an aging right guard. He's gone. 
$24 million for a right guard? And that's the way that Bulky wrote these contracts. You knew that it was a two-year deal. This was, ex- this was expected. Foye Oluokan, $21,750,000. Um, are you going to move on from him and just insert Chad Muma? Third-round pick? I, I kind of want to believe that that might have been the thinking when you drafted him, right? You have to go and Trayvon and go in Devin Lloyd, and then in the third round, go and Chad Move. It wasn't that kind of the thinking. Say goodbye to Foye Luikon and, and get younger. But you can't do that now, despite Pro Football fo- uh, Focus's grades from yesterday. I mean, they were two really good defensive, but I want to say three really good defensive players on this football team. Foyer Olucom was one of them. The other two, Josh Allen and Darius Williams. Trayvon Walker got better as the year went on, and he deserves recognition for that. All right, again, before the break, uh, four of the next five of these guys are gone, in my opinion. Okay? Cap hits. Cam Robinson, $21,638,000. I know a lot of you are going to scream to restructure. We'll see. I think he's gone. Big Foley, uh, $12,808,000, gone. Rayshon Jenkins, $12,284,000, gone. Trevor, $11,707,000, make him play it. No need to, to get the deal done now with him. He should not be rewarded for this season, even though he played injured. Make him play year four under that rookie contract. Uh, contract. Zay Jones, $11 million, he's gone. You, you need to create money. And you need to sign offensive and defensive linemen. You know, it's it, 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 in a perfect world, man, you would have Harrison, Ben Barch, Luke Fortner, Walker Little. They, they all would have come together, right? All under rookie contracts. It didn't work that way. Barch is in San Francisco. Fortner's weak. Walker Little, you just, you just don't know. And you had a good rookie year out of Anton Harrison. So it's been massive failure with the offensive line. Although if you put a gun to my head, and please don't, my honest guess is next year you'll have Walker Little at left, left tackle, Luke Fortner at center, and Anton Harrison at right tackle. And the only two spots you're going to have to fill is left and right guard. That, that would be my guess, even though I'd obviously move along from Fort. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, this doom and gloom day is, uh, is getting better with the announcement of the firing of uh, Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator and the entire defensive staff. I've talked to so many people about this over the years, but, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's hilarious when you try to analyze and you give an opinion and it's not what they're doing and others will turn, you know, whatever it may be. But what I'm trying to get at is I've always been under the impression that this football team would be much better in a 4-3 defensive alignment, okay? 
and they've been steadfast to try to run that Tampa defense and a 3-4 look. You know, where Allen would move up and Walker would move up. How much better would it be if you had a traditional two defensive ends in Allen and Walker? And you got to do something about your interior defensive line. I think the only two certainties right now that we can say there are probably Tyler Lacey and Devon Hamilton. I, I think the others could be moved, let go as I just went through. But if you have three true linebackers, can Chad Muma play? I, I don't know. No one knows. You know, could you have a Loa Khan in the middle and or have him as, uh, you know, the weak side linebacker? And, you know, Devin Lloyd, even though he, he appears to struggle in pass coverage, you're going to put him on the strong side against the tight end. I, I don't know how they would mix and match the, that linebacking core. I, I don't. But is that part of the philosophy now with Doug Peterson with everything that is changing in front of them, and obviously the biggest decision they're going to have to make is, is to redo Josh Allen. You have to pay him. It's going to cost you a ton. And they gambled and he won. You know, is he going to get you 17 and a half sacks next year? Is he going to get you 96 pressures next year? I don't know the answer to that question. My guess would be no, this was a career year, but you have to pay him. I mean, what does that say to this organization if you don't pay your own players? So that that is uh, fascinating to me to consider what is next. How about Bill Hancock? You see this story saying he had to go to the FBI, threats made to him by Florida State fans and this and that. I mean, really? Threats? People get that irritated that you would literally threaten someone? Who threatens nowadays where everything that you send, there's ways to find out who sent it. And I'm not trying to excuse threats, but I'm kind of more on the belief that this isn't the case, right? And kind of like Jim McElwain telling us he got death threats a few years ago at Florida when when they got on it, they're like, hey, where are they? Florida State people were upset. I get it. But threats? I mean, being angry is one thing. Isn't a threat when you say, beware, look out, I'm going to do something physically to you? Isn't that a threat? Just because you're angry and you may call someone a bad name and say, you screwed over my university, that's anger. That's not a threat. There's a difference. Bill Hancock said that a little bit earlier uh, today. To me, it's just another doctor. It's another one of, instead of owning it, it's like, oh, no, feel sorry for me. You know, people are in my mentions. People are upset. That's the way I look at it. Before we get to a special surprise here, how about your brand new quarterback at the U? You know much about him? Um, he won't be the starting quarterback at Miami. You don't think so? You think they're gonna get a second guy? Yes. Think they're gonna get uh, to his brother? Apparently, they're favored to get him, but uh, they've been favored to get a few guys. Kind of a crazy day in sports. Uh, Juan Franco went out of jail in the Dominican Republic. Tiger Woods ends a relationship after 27 years with Nike. Uh, I didn't see that one coming. I kind of thought that that, after watching the Michael Jordan Nike movie, kind of figured that I was going to be, 
you know, almost part two uh, that Tiger was going to be able to bring, bring in that type of uh, of major cash. But apparently that is not the case. All right. What do you have for our listeners? AEW tickets. January 10th, 730. Well, that's here before you know it. Today's what, the 8th? So that's coming up on Wednesday night. We'll take caller number 4, 641-1010. You get two tickets uh, for that event coming up on Wednesday. On the other side, we come back, put our final touches on this one. Really a lot of good things to get into in the final 25 minutes. Take you up until 8 o'clock, and then Hacker Nation will join you. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, even the great ones rest. That is the Blue Crab Crab House off today, but back at it tomorrow. All right. Tuesday's a huge day. Of course, uh, doors open at 4.30 at the Blue Crab. $2 margaritas on Tuesday. $9 margarita pitchers on Tuesday. Wednesday, steamed oysters. I had a few dozen of them recently. Absolutely outstanding. $3 drafts on Thursday, $4 wines, $5 wells. And Sundays, $2.50 Bloody Marys and mimosas. They're Sunday hours, 12 to 9, rest of the week. And again, they're not open right now on Monday, but beginning tomorrow, 4.30 to 9 o'clock at the Blue Crab Crab House. It is right off of San Jose. It's there on Jointon Creek Road. Who wins tonight's game, UW or Michigan? I think probably Michigan, but I actually picked Washington. I think their offense is going to be too much. Uh, it's a quarterback that – a type of quarterback that Michigan hasn't faced and a type of offense Michigan hasn't faced this season. Um, they do have a great defensive line, but so did Texas. So I think Washington will be able to maybe hold them to just a couple sacks and not make it, you know, the way it was when Milrow was running around like crazy in the first half against Michigan. So, yeah, I think Washington pulls off the upset. I pick Washington as well. I don't feel real good about this either Meaning way. Either. I feel like it's going to be a total contrast of, uh, of styles that Michigan's going to try to really slow some things down and put together some methodical long drives where obviously UW looks kind of like a Kind of like a Big 12 offense, like a, like a Lincoln-Riley, Oklahoma-type offense where, you know, they, they're going to put together those uh, four or five play drives that go 75 yards and take a minute 39 off the clock. That, that's the way that, that Washington likes to hunt. They are a fun offense to watch. NFL wide receivers along with uh, Michael Penix. So it's going to be fun tonight. It's going to be a good uniform game. Yeah. I've already noticed. Just like the clash of – the blue, maize and blue with the white and the purple. I love it. It just looks different for a national title not seeing any SEC. And here it is, 744. They're, they're warming up Yeah, right I guess now. we were wrong about 745. It, but apparently they're getting close. So I, I think that they're going to actually get this thing started uh, before 8 o'clock. And it looks like they're getting close here. And I would say within five minutes or so, just by, you know, taking a quick look at it. Which so. I applaud that because, man, some of these games don't end till midnight, some of these college football. Like 8 p.m. kickoff games last forever. Uh, 90-37 blue. Um, can we get Moom on the field? And this idiot overdrafted Ventral Miller by two rounds. Let's not forget, uh, like, what on earth is the 
overall plan as far as this team um, and their construction. Well, yeah, I would think that Ventral Mill is a huge part of this in a year. I'd be very surprised if they moved on from Aloha Khan. And I haven't looked at his dead money. I gave you the salary cap money. He's a true leader on this football team. And out of all the players that they added on that side of the ball, he's been far, by far the best. Roy Robertson-Harris played well. Rayshon Jenkins at times played well. Foley uh, Fatakasi at times played well. But It's a lot of dead money. Yeah, is it? What is it? 14 and a half. Does that change after June 1st? Let me see. Let me go to... uh, Again, there is a difference between releasing a guy um, pre-June 1st and post-June 1st. Uh, let's see here. Aloacon, yeah, $21 million, Cup before June 1st, $14,502,000. Let me see, post. Well, it goes down to $6,750,000. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if you see that he, when you look at restructuring contracts, he'll probably be one or two. And I, I, I'm going to put that in parentheses because I think a lot, and I'm looking at my response, at our response now on the text line. A lot of you want Cam back. A lot of you don't think that Walker Little can play. That's going to be an ongoing discussion. But with Cam, it's different. With Cam, you recoup almost it all. I mean, with Cam, you. His cap number is 21.6. You're getting back 17.75, and you're eating 3,800,000. So that's a huge number. Now, can you redo it and restructure it and try to keep Cam here for the next three years? Yeah, you can. And it's not like I'm down on Cam and I have an issue with him. I just think he's overpaid. And I'm also really alarmed by the fact that he can't stay healthy. Now, you can make the same case that Walker Little can't stay healthy. He got hurt in college, and he got hurt the second he moved from left tackle to left guard and remained hurt. You know, the first four games of the year, he was arguably the best offensive lineman on this team. But I would think that those are the two most candidates to, uh, to have a restructured deal. Let me see Christian Kirk. Why you give me an advertisement here? You can't give me ads when I'm talking live on the air with our listeners. He's got voidable years in 25 and 26. So, so Christian Kirk right now is signed for two more seasons. And that is, um, that is big money for him. But I, I don't think there's any question. After noticing what happened to him when he went out, just how valuable he is to this football team. You know, you could say he's a possession receiver. You could say that he's a slot wide receiver. You could say any of that, but he's a good football player. Obviously, there's no way they're going to say goodbye to him. It would come down to can you restructure that contract? I mean, his dead cap money would be twenty one million five hundred thirty six thousand. So there's absolutely zero chance of that happening. It's the same pre or post uh, June first. What you would try to do here is to lower that cap number at $24,384,000. So I, I do think you're going to get a couple of restructures. And that would be the three for me. Foyer, Kirk, and if you're a believer in Cam Robinson, then, yeah, you're going to restructure his contract as well. 
there's a few other possibilities, but I, I think those are the three big money guys that they're going to have to make those moves with. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, my takeaway today, as bad as this Monday has been, it got better tonight as we went into the night. And Mike Caldwell has been let go as the defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the entire defensive staff as well, let go. So this has to happen. They need to make changes. I would not be shocked at all if we see this happen on the offensive side as well. Um, Frankly, I'd like to see it. I would. But that's just my way of thinking. I know a lot of you out there want a new general manager. You'd like to see Trent Bulky get fired. I, I just don't think that that is in the cards. Uh, that is wishful thinking on anyone's part, in my opinion. So uh, just a thought there. But it ended up being a better day with this announcement. The good folks over at Key, brand new incentives are out at Key Buick GMC. So make sure you visit them as early as tomorrow. The lot is full. 23s, brand new 24s. I am the proud owner of a Key GMC Sierra truck and the GF, a Key Buick Enclave. Some great things there. Right across the street from Tinseltown, Key Buick GMC, South Side and Gates. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. We are just underway. The national championship. It is Washington and Michigan very early in the first quarter. They played a couple of minutes. So you're going to have some entertainment tonight watching uh, this game as you do your show. Yeah, Rick. I mean, maybe it's just the fact that it's not an SEC team, not an ACC team. But I got friends that are big college football fans. And I said, hey, you're going to watch the game tonight. I said, which game? I said, the national championship game. I don't know if, like, the marketing's bad or the schedule's bad. It is weird. They do it on Black Monday, but it's just not a big deal around here when you got the Big Ten against the Pac-12, I guess. Well, I asked that last week, and I I felt like my listeners are like, what are you talking about, Baloo? Of course we're going to watch. And I kind of went down that same road. I mean, I don't think people around here watch UW play much. And Mm -hmm. Michigan, yeah, that whole Big Ten conference, let's face it, it's always been looked at as – kind of an old conference where you run the ball on every down. There's not a lot of excitement like you see, uh, frankly, in the Pac-12 or, or certainly the Big 12 or or the SEC. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good game tonight. It's the appetizer. These two teams meet in Big Ten conference play in October. So how about that? It's the second meeting of the year for them in October. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the Jaguars, though. I mean, that's going to be the main topic. And I heard Prosser in here and his veins popping out of his head this morning, and I loved it. And I've heard all the, you know, the passion. To, to me, I got a, a lot of that out last night in the fifth quarter. Tonight, it's just astonishment, just bewilderment, surrealness, whatever verbiage you want to use, that the season's over. Yeah. I mean, they were 8-3 43 days ago when Houston missed that kick, and they're celebrating, and they're up two and a half games, and – they were the number one seed for a few hours 43 days ago. I know. And now lockers are empty and they're gone till yep. April. Yep. It is the biggest late season collapse in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I, think I just think it's the biggest collapse, period. I mean, somebody can go to 2018 when they lost seven in a row after beginning, what, three and one? Yeah. 
2010 was eight and five, and they lost their last three to miss the playoffs. But they didn't have the expectation on them that year that they did this year. All right, so you got that coming up. What else? Yeah, Dave Campo, Monday Night Coaching with Campo. Obviously, we're going to talk about this Mike Caldwell news, and it's going to be uh, primarily Jaguars. We're going to keep you updated, certainly, on the national championship game, but Jaguar talk for the most part tonight. All right, Hack, have a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. That's coming up right now, tomorrow night after Helmets and Heels, rest of the week, 6 to 8. That's our game plan. I want to tell you this. The texts tonight were record-setting, and I did not get an opportunity to respond to most of you. I just did not. It was way too busy in here, but it's always appreciated, your opinion. I want to I want to tell you that. Tomorrow night, we're going to grab calls, probably the last time of the year, maybe before the draft we'll do one, but that'll be tomorrow night, so uh, save your thoughts for that show coming up on Tuesday. Thank you to JJ LaSalva. My name is Rick Ballou. We'll talk tomorrow night right here in your home of the Jags.